0: psychological and philosophical treaties on how man pictures time how do you picture a year seriously when i say to you a year how do you picture it? do you picture it as a ruler with the the months marked off like january february march and and the first of the month is a little notch on the ruler a straight line thing do you picture? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, they, they, they. Uh, oh, there, there is a, there is a new type of psychological testing where they, they ask people their concept of abstractions of that type, and so they say to you, how do you picture love? Well, the answer that you give to such a question is not to be sneered at. Uh, how do you? Oh that's kind of scared you didn't it you never thought we'd do such a show on Friday did you well, all right I see we're getting ready to getting ready to uh, shift the gears here We're gonna gonna take out the ashes uh, that reminds me please Corney. would you bring out a little people music please Oh here we go All set. people music, see? Oh, there's a constant war continually going on between the walking around, scratching, spitting, ordinary type people and the rest of the people. In fact, I have here, I have here one of the scariest, I'll tell you. How many of you read 1984? Now, you know, uh, I, I find a great deal to argue with in 1984 because George Orwell was almost completely economically uh, oriented he thought he thought in terms of of, of economic problems he, he was a socialist you know and he thought he thought that all problems could be solved by a good square meal for somebody uh, and and he, so he thought he thought economically and George Orwell wrote a book called 1984 and uh, one of the concepts that George Orwell, Uh, created of course was the time that would arrive that he considered inevitable when everybody would be under surveillance by all set in their corny you got my big brother music in there all right everyone be, be under surveillance of that glowing eye that that spinning orb that would watch you night and day you were constantly being observed by that friendly that benevolent eye, the eye of Yes, friends, Big Brother is watching you. Big Brother is watching you for your own good. <laughs> All right. Now I've had a thesis for a long time uh, for what it's worth that almost anything that comes into being that is an eventual evil is always hailed as a new discovery in good. It's always always comes along in, and 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 the program director here, one of my old colleagues and old friends, Jimmy McAleer, sent me a copy of a very innocent magazine called Popular Science. Now, you know, Popular Science has little things like uh, a sneak preview of the 1968 car. You know, real uh, serious uh, articles like it. Things like, uh, you can build an electric dishwasher at home using spare parts that everyone has in just 25 minutes of your spare time. Plans Inside. Uh, you know that kind of thing and then there's always in the back there's always pictures of guys you notice those, those great pictures I've always wondered about those people you've seen those, those those ads way in the back of the magazines where the guy's looking out at you and he's kind of smudgy his, this face and says uh, Mr. J.M. of uh, Dry Rot Massachusetts says I threw my trusses away when I discovered your new secret technique thank God you people are around And underneath it says Mr. J.M. And it shows him throwing his trusses away. Or it says uh, Mrs. L.D.Q. of uh, Dismal Seepage, Indiana says, I was troubled with constipation for years. But then I tried your Indian snake root oil and now I feel great again. And I can go out and I can do the laundry and I can do the wash and I can even cut the wood before supper time. Thank God for the Indian snake root oil. And you see her; she's kind of smudgy, and she's looking out at you. Did I ever tell you about the time that that we took? This is a terrible, terrible practical joke. And I shouldn't really tell this on the air because it's going to give a lot of ideas. Awful scene. That there was a guy uh, in in this town where I worked in in uh, in Cincinnati who was a very famous radio man. He was very well known. He did this morning show all the time. He was very well known. And one day, one of the sneaky rotten engineers i've noticed that the engineers have the have the truly corroded minds something basically rotten about many engineers they sit there and they oh yeah i mean year after year they look in through the glass and they watch shows being done and eventually they are totally immune to anything absolutely i'm i'm serious i mean if, if moses came down out of that out of that mountain and he's got these great big stone tablets I can just see him making an appearance on a radio show and the engineer looking who's this guy with a mustache and a beard what is, this? What is it with a stone ah, come on when you tell him to talk into the mic quit hitting the mic and that would be you know you understand what I'm saying Courtney So eventually so but and because of this rotten corrosive mind one night I'm sitting dark down in the bowels, if you'll excuse the expression of this radio station where I labored and toiled down deep in the salt mines. Oh, you could hear the sound of the peasants treading. Give me a little of that big brother music. The sound, of, that's the sound of peasants treading eternally on this great, great, great treadmill of showbiz. You can hear the poor peasants, the poor staff announces. The poor underpaid newscasters, the poor disc jockeys, the poor whooping men, the clowns, the idiots, the fools, the buffoons, treading on that great, great, endless trackway of showbiz. Bring it up. No, oh, no, is me. What have I done to deserve this fate? Why did I not go into something clean and respectable and honorable? Something straight and regular like the insurance business, or the used car business. Why must I be forever down here, deep down in the dark, dank hole of the salt mines of the earth, treading the endless tracks that are reported every week by Variety and Billbod and Cash Bond, the Bibles of my industry? Oh, it's me. Okay, you got the scene, so I'm way down dark in the, the bowels of this radio station. And this engineer, who was an old friend of mine, he, I see him hunched over his desk. And all the while, the, the program is going on that he's supposed to be working, and he's cackling. Watch this. And he had gotten a picture of this guy. Who was one of the most fantastic fops I've ever known? I wonder when some some clothing store here in town is going to come right out and admit it. You know, you know, they, they've got all these jazzy names for clothing stores. I think I think people would love it if a clothing store, a real camp clothing store, came out and called itself El Fapo, and had you know, <laughs> or El Fago. I mean, that's another thing. This is something else, and. Uh, <laughs> Listen, I know guys who've got bell-bottom pajamas now. So sweet, Chucky. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I'll live and let live. Would you please play my live and let live? People music, please, live and let live, I say. Live and let live. Yeah. Yeah. Up and down. Just up and down, Greenwich Avenue they go. Night, nightly after nighty, night, whoopee, 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 wow. Nightly they go, up and down Lexington, never touching the ground as they can help it. Their wings fluttering, fluttering higher and higher. And tonight out on Fired Island Shout out Out and out of Yahoo Cherry Grove and Davis Point to Up and down the beach they go Whoopee, whoopee, wow I say live and let live If they want to have Vibra and all the way They can have it I got other fish to fry la da terrible song Awful song I'm forever to change. It. Oh, yeah, yeah, you want to know what my engineer friend said? He's sitting there and he's cackling away. And this particular radio guy was probably the quintessence of all foppishness. You know, there's a certain kind of radio man who loves the sound of his voice. We have a couple of them here on the station. I won't even tell you who they are, but they're the kind, you know, that every time they get on the air, they hold their ear. You've seen that thing? You've seen him quite a quick. have you seen him? They say, oh, <clears throat> WOR, your friendly family station Mm-mm-mm, WOR. Well, their whole life is like that. These guys have got white on white pajamas, if you can imagine it. They have the knotted tie, that little that little natty foulard. Uh, these guys go for the beautifully sculpted cufflinks and the whole thing. and they always have long sideburns and wavy hair. Oh, yeah. There's a certain type of, of uh, guy in showbiz who really, in a way, uh, since he hasn't really made it in, 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 in the performing world, he makes it in the sartorial world. And he walks with, you know, stomach pulled in or always walking around. Oh, hello, Charles. And there's a certain kind of dynamic foppishness. Well, this guy was on in the morning. Speaking of dynamic foppishness, this is... <laughs> Uh, and yeah, yeah. by the way, we're still entertaining ideas for slogans for WOR here. Got any ideas? You know, for years we've been talking about the family station. And well, let's face it, the families are breaking. There's no such thing. Really, I mean, no such thing as a family anymore. There's just four or five people fighting and living together in a very uh, loose alliance that's largely economic. And so we we really realized that no longer are we the family station. You know, the old sense of the family. You know, Granny sitting there in her rocking chair knitting. And Grandpa sitting over by the fire whittling. And old Dad sitting there in his easy chair reading the paper and sipping a little brandy. And Ma up there uh, standing next to the kitchen table making bread. And the children rolling on the floor playing and shortling. With old Rover the dog. That reminds me. Uh, would you speaking of dogs? Would you please? This is W O R A M and <laughs> F M, New York. Miller highlight the bright clear tasting beer. Miller highlight the champagne of bottled beer. There's only one champagne of bottled beer. Sparkling, flavorful, distinctive. Miller highlight. century-old recipe, Miller High Life has a rich heritage and tradition. A bright, clear taste. Unequaled, unquestioned, unchanging. Available on tap, in cans, and in familiar crystal clear bottles. Miller High Life is always sparkling, flavorful, distinctive. Enjoy Miller High Life yourself. Miller High Life, the champagne of bottled beer. Yes, Miller High Life, the champagne of bottled beer. Yeah, yeah, speaking of old Rover, we've still got Rover with us here. Rover 2000 TC, magnificent machine. And uh, I think, uh, I think seriously, I think that this car, probably more than any car that we've got, putting around the American highways today, is liable to be the true revolutionist among automobiles. In fact, uh, uh, according to one of the most recent uh, issues of Car and Driver, which is a very serious type magazine, uh, they say, and we loosely quote them here, this is the finest sedan that we have ever tested and have ever driven uh, in our entire testing program. And they have over 8,000 miles on it when they said this. this is a pretty brash thing for a uh, serious automotive magazine to say about a car. And if you're uh, sitting out there and itching a little bit and getting that, you know, that uh, that, new car, that new car syndrome, I could not give you better advice, Dad, than to drop a card here to Rover. I'm very serious about it. There's going to come a day when you're going to realize that driving around in a car is a heck of a lot more than surrounding yourself by costume jewelry. Uh, drop a card here to Rover. And we'll send you all the technical specs and details, and one thing or another, on this magnificent English machine. It's the Rover 2000. Just send your card to Rover here, and uh, we'll send it along. Let's see. We've got... Oh, yeah, 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 the limelight show. Oh, yes, yes, indeedy, more uh, We will be alive as a bird and twice as big and uh, yelling and hollering and spitting and snorting. And Oh, well, by the way, I'm going to do something which I have threatened to do. No, no, for a long time. I have a magnificent version of the Genesis that I do in pantomime. And I also play this Greek chorus. I play the Greek chorus. And uh, I'm going to do a reprise of one of the most famous things. that Did I ever tell you about the time? I'll tell you. And, and you're going to see it Saturday night. The time that I played Adam. That's Adam, the first man. In a Broadway review. Now I'm not kidding, and and uh, they had this this uh, this, <laughs> this set that cost them about five thousand dollars. Just this little thing that I came out on. I came out on the stage in a little bit of Eden, and it had wheels on it. And the guy on the other side of the stage, it was dark. See, the stage was darkened, and he pulled these these ropes, and nobody could see the ropes, of course. And there I was. It came quietly out on the stage, lit by a golden spotlight. The kind of spotlight that shows the beginning of time, you know, with the first sun coming out of the new world. And and there, reclining under a plastic golden apple tree was guess who? And above me was a big red plastic apple with gilt leaves. And intertwined all around me was Eve... And I was Adam, and she was Eve. And I, <laughs> I wonder if there's anybody in the audience that saw that, that fantastic moment in the American theater. And they, they pulled me out, see, and you could, hear, you could hear the wheels on my little bit of Eve and go, eh, eh, eh. They pull it out, see, already the world needed oiling. And they, they pulled me out, and as they did, the orchestra struck up this fantastic music. It was, you know, a great big orchestra. Bring up some of that orchestral music, see, great big orchestral music. Oh, boy, what an entrance. I'm playing Adam. You know, there's not many guys that have played Adam on the stage. You're looking at one right here. And I had these these, these superb, fresh, beautiful, these tights. They were flesh-colored tights. <laughs> and I had this big pasted-on smile. You never thought that Adam came out looking like a showbiz character, did you? With a big smile. You know, all beautifully orchestrated. The whole thing, it looked like he was getting ready to do a tap dance any minute now. And then I sang the first words ever heard in this great spinning orb of ours. It was the beginning of it all. I I really did. You want to hear what I sang out? In the beginning there was the word. And up came the music. And everybody sat there. They gasped. What a fantastic concept, Adam. Well, Don't laugh! I was very good. Come on now. All right. I'm not going to carry this on anymore. You don't want to hear that you're getting a Broadway show free. I'm telling you, it would cost you four dollars and ninety-five cents to get the Broadway album. In the beginning, there was the word, and the orchestra went bum 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 bum. Then I went, and then there came. Then I grinned at the audience and said, that's me. (laughs) And then I reached over and I pinched Eve. And that's where it all started. I took the big plastic apple down. When you see tomorrow night at the limelight, I'm going to do my famous version, one-man version of Genesis, where I play the thunder and the clouds and the lightning and the lava. And uh, you've never seen me play a river, have you? Sure, I play a very good river. Well, let's get on with the commercials here. Speaking of Magnum, would you please bring me some more of that important music there? Please bring it on there. And in the beginning, there was created in man that ineffable quality called taste. T-A-S-T. And then, of course, it became inevitable that eventually man would have to create that supreme taste sensation of them all. Regal crown, magnificent candies, regal crown, and the world was whole. And the next time you stop at your candy counter, march right up to them and say, I'll have regal crown, sour apple, sour grape, sour cherries, sour lemon, and don't bid thee no substitutes. I want the real thing. Regal crown, a thin dime. Yes, the world finally had to discover superb taste. Regal crown, sour grapes. What a commercial. Fantastic, Fantastic commercial. And fiber blowing bubbles. Mm-hmm. What's the matter? And... Mm-hmm. This is not the Ed Sullivan Show, if that's what you think you tuned in on. It is not the Billy Graham Hour, either. You didn't like that, all right. You think Soupy Sales could play it any better than that? Right. Well, you mean you did like it? Well, why are you pointing at your ears and sticking your tongue out? Oh, you mean the pop of the microphone? Well, that's all part of the orchestration. That wakes them up out there. Uh, <laughs> especially wakes the engineering department up here. Would you uh, please, oh, hold it now. Hold people music in, in the veins there. Now, I have to get back to this piece here, the very serious piece. Jimmy sent me along this thing. And, uh, boy, if it isn't ever fascinating, a real scary little bit. Now, let's go back to Big Brother and the concept of being constantly observed. Now, we sat there. Uh, for those of you who saw the picture or those of you who read uh, the book or might have uh, seen... They, they did it on television, I think, one time. You know, that, Do you know that the time that they did 1984 on British television, which was a few years back when TV was really starting to get going and feel its oats, that they did 1984 on British television, and it practically caused riots all over the country. Are you aware of that? Because he was so close to the truth, George Orwell. And Orwell predicted that eventually this Big Brother-type government would keep people under constant surveillance... Now, it's quite natural for anybody, you know, reading, the, reading this thing to think, oh, boy, you know, how come the people stood for that? I mean, they, they must, uh, gee, that's terrible, it's wild, it's awful. Well, uh, I guess what Orwell did not see, perhaps, was that almost all of these innovations of surveillance and observation and all these big, great new uh, technological achievements would all be hailed as a further step in eventual progress, do you know that today, and this is, the, this is the current, let's see, is it current? No, it's an old copy of popular science. Uh, Jimmy sent me December 65. Apparently he picked it up in the basement somewhere. And, uh, and, and uh, that even makes it scarier. That as far back as December 65, there was a major, there is a major city, I shouldn't say was, that has mounted all over town in secret spots in town, a major city has got mounted in secret spots and they're shielded so nobody really knows where they are. It has got 24-hour-a-day automatic, continually operating television cameras to keep an eye on the population. And at police headquarters, they can switch from one section to the other and they can just quietly watch and see what's going on. Big Brother is watching you. Now the first question that arises, is this in some some fanatical dictatorship country? Is this in some place beyond the Iron Curtain? Is this in some medieval city ruled by a despot of the 20th century? Where would you guess this is? Where would you guess this is? Oh, by the way, it's all done for the best of all possible reasons. It is supposedly, and, and I guess it really is. It's to keep an eye for crime, you know, to watch out and see the people don't do. But the sinister quality of it is, who defines crime, ultimately? Could crime become uh, thinking wrong thoughts? Could crime become... Uh, saying wrong things could it become who knows what it could become what city do you think this is right now at this moment at this hour that city has television cameras constantly trained on all the streets of various sections of the town and they have monitor cameras they can switch from one to the other big brother is kind of just Keeping an eye on things. Just keeping an eye on things. And the article goes on to say that several major cities in the United States are studying the results of the surveillance system and could very well have them in operation in the next couple of years. What city is this? Big Brother is just kind of keeping an eye on things, friends, for your own good. <laughs> All right, what city is that? When you, when you, isn't that a fascinating story? All right, we won't even tell you. I'm forever blowing bubbles. You know that there, there is a peculiar, uh, undeniable fascination that you feel. For observing other people at a distance, you know, I think this lies behind our secret, our secret enjoyment of the theater. What is the theater after all? But but legalized official uh, voyeurism. It's legalized official ritualized peeping tomism, and and, and and everybody has a secret desire to become a peeping tom. You know, it's just secretly there even though we don't want to admit it, to creep up and peer into windows of other people's houses and look in. And, and are you interested in watching somebody wash his hands? I doubt it. Are you interested in seeing people sitting around playing knuckle? I doubt it. Uh uh-huh. Have you noticed that almost all of our dramas, particularly our movies today, revolve around one single human act? Is it washing hands? Is it playing pinochle and and the more and the more completely that is realized on the screen or on the stage uh, the more it is applauded as we are getting closer and closer to true frankness on the screen which means we're getting closer and closer to true voyeurism and we are all kind of agreed you see we shake hands so it's it's there let's face it there is a secret desire that everybody has. Now, come on, let's admit it, and don't you... I can just see this little old lady in Staten Island. and say, Mr. Shepard, I have the slightest desire. My husband, Charles, is offended by what you've just said. Why, my husband, Charles, of course, I did buy him a telescope last year for his birthday, but he uses it only to look at the sky, which happens to be just above the apartment house across the street, where that girl happens to live, and it's a nasty thing, she said the other day to that policeman. But however... (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah you know that yeah, you know that one of the big uh, big hobbies in this city one of the truly big hobbies in the city is to own these big telescopes. Have you seen them for sale all around all over the place? you don't think that n- anybody's watching believe me uh the 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 third ring of Jupiter from his apartment house on uh, on East 21st Street. I mean it ain't easy to see Jupiter from any place. And I doubt whether you could big 10-inch telescope with a tripod and the whole scene. The only thing you can really see is the housing project across the road. <laughs> and and this is becoming uh, you know it's becoming a very big hobby. Oh sure. So to to carry that further, the idea of Big Brother is really a natural idea. It, it, it stems out of that deep little subterranean thing of man, you know, that secretly likes to watch his fellow man. Now, if he can make it a, a good thing, if he can make it somehow official, that makes it even better. And so if we can all agree that it's a serious play by a Tennessee whoopee. And that fantastic scene in the second act where the guy rips the clothes off the chick and, and uh, she screams and, the, you know, the whole scene. If we can pretend that it's an art form, then we're going to like it even more. <laughs> because we're, we're, we're really having our cake and eating it too. you will excuse the expression, you see. We're, 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 really, we're really involved in something that, uh, that we subterraneanly, if there is such a word, deep down in the vastnesses of our soul, we want to do anyway. And so the concept of, of Big Brother peering uh, at you is, is not really uh, so alien to our nature, if you're really honestly going to admit it. Uh, you like to think of yourself, though, as Big Brother doing the peering. Now, if you were allowed to do the peering, you'd like it. But if you were on the other end of the telescope, I'm not so sure you'd dig it. You know. But the, nevertheless, uh, did I ever tell you about my friend, my electronic friend? I remember a peculiar Sunday afternoon I had one day. Uh, I've got this friend who really is uh, a a genuine, you know, everybody says he he, he has a friend who's a nut on electronics. And and I happen to be an amateur radio operator, and I've done a lot of electronic work myself. But this guy is truly a dedicated electronics uh, nut. He really is a fanatic. He's got that monkey on his back. In fact, so much so, can you imagine this, Corny? He's got in his closet... And he lives in a penthouse. It's a big, old, sprawling apartment. And when we think of penthouse, most people think of this very jazzy place. But it's just a big, old, sprawling building on the top of another old building, really, is what he lives in over on the west side. Big, sprawling place. And he's got a closet. Now, in his closet, he has picked up somewhere on the uh, surplus market, he's picked up an old signal Corps radio teletype. And he's got this radio teletype. All hooked up with a magnificent receiver, big antenna, and the whole thing. And day and night, he monitors the various international world news services. So at three o'clock in the morning, you ding, 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 ding. He's got his own little newsroom. And he tunes in Radio Pravda, he tunes in Reuters. Oh, yeah, he can get them all, you see. And it, it comes right in on his printer. And he sits there all day long, watches his news thing. Now, what else does he have? Well, I, I'm over there one day and. He says, "Where do you see this? Where do you see what I got?" He says, "Now watch this," and he goes over to his television set. He's got a big TV set in the corner, and it's color, big, twenty-four inch. Naturally, a genuinely dedicated nut of electronics has got to have colors. So he's got a big twenty-four inch color set, and he says, "Now watch this." He says, "Now wait, wait right here. Now don't don't move." And I'm sitting there, and the TV set warms up, and I see the, the, the background noise start coming in. You know, those little yellow and green and red dots and all that other color set. And then all of a sudden, I can't believe it. It is coming into focus. I see this scene. I look at it. It's obviously no television show. And it's just sitting there like that scene. And I can hear the sound. And what is the scene of? Well, the scene is of all the rooftops. And it's focused on a roof across somewhere on the west side of town. I'm looking at the top of a building. I'm looking at a roof in color. Get this. And I can hear the horns of the traffic. I'm looking at this thing. And I think, you know, it's, it's like the opening scene of Naked City or something. And that's it. It just sits there. And I'm watching this thing. I'm fascinated. And then I see... The, the, there's a little uh, like a chicken coop on top of this building in a little ventilator type building you see the, the door the door opens and a couple of kids come out and they start yelling running around I'm watching them and then a chick comes out and she walks around on the roof and she has a towel and she lays the towel down and she takes a, a pillow and puts it down and she stretches out she's getting some sun I'm watching this in color I so said for crying out "My, what is this and then the door opens and in comes my friend he said how do you like it well, it's uh, pretty great, I guess. <laughs> uh, gee, where, where is that? I said, where is that? He says, well, come here. I'll show you where it is. Now, now come on up. Now, remember, he's in a penthouse. And so with that, he gives me a pair of binoculars, I'll tell you, that must have weighed 40 pounds. I mean, they're the kind, you know, that has shoulder straps and headrests and big things all of you know. They scrap on your eyes and the whole business. He says, now, come here, watch. And so he focuses this thing and he says, now, you see in that building, the third one at the end over there? right next to the park and I am focusing in and I says yeah well I see well oh, that's the same place I said how are you getting it on the TV set he says come on up on the roof look and out on the roof he had a television color camera a little one a Japanese transistorized type camera it was all focused he had a big zoom bar lens <laughs> and I says what in the hell do you do with all this stuff he said oh I just like to look just like to look I said, well, what do you look at? Well, just look. Now, he's not hes not a peeping Tom. He would just look at the neighborhood. He just had it. Set up. I says, well, why don't you go to the window and look out? You can see it out and look out the window. He says, but somehow it's different now. And you know he's right. As long as I could sit there and look at this thing, at this scene, and it was in a TV screen, and it was surrounded by glass, somehow I did not have any sense of of a uh, conscience. I didn't feel that I was peeking at someone. I was looking at a picture. And that's a very subtle difference. And and everybody, who who can get mad at you looking at a picture? What's coming out of a big 24 inch set with a teak wood cabinet, with gold knobs? You know? <laughs> I says, do you realize the possibilities of this thing, Jerry? He says, ha <laughs> ha. I says, no. He says, yep. I said, for crying out loud, in color? Yeah, you know, I'm pretty good at electronics. I said, holy smokes. And then he says, watch this. I said, you mean there's more? He says, yeah. And he has this little push button. He pulls out from under the set, it's on a long cord, and he goes, "Eh." and I see the scene shifting. He's got it motor driven. And it sweeps the horizon. It goes. And he can sit in his house and he can sweep the whole horizon. He can see whatever he wants to see all over town, see. And then then he says, oh, oh wait, wait, watch this now. And I says, what, what are you going to do now? He says, okay, now you see that building over there? And I says, yeah. He sweeped over now to another building, see. He says, watch this. And he presses the other button. And it automatically zooms in. It goes wow! And here you are. You boom. You zoomed right in on a window, and the window covers the whole screen. What a zoom on lens! And I says, "Gee, Wiz, this is fantastic. This is amazing." He says, "Oh, we're just just starting." He says, "No. He says, you want to see something really fascinating?'" I says, "Yeah, Jerry." He says, "Watch this." He goes over to the set, and he's got the volume, see? And he starts turning on the volume, and then he pulls out another push button, and he starts fiddling around with it. And all of a sudden, he starts bringing in these sounds. He has a micro microphone up on the roof, you know, the kind with the parabola? He, The kind that they use in big stadiums where they can pick up the sound of a referee talking to a football player. Have you ever heard him do that a thousand yards away? He picks up the sound of these people, and you can hear this lady getting supper ready, and she's a good mile away. He's focused it on, and he's got her on the, on the, on the color screen, and she's talking. You can hear her talking, bang, banging pots, and you hear the water running. I said, Jerry, this is terrible. <laughs> he says, you know, I've been... I've been, Give me a little of that uh, Big Brother music there. He says, uh, you know what I've been experimenting with lately? And I said, no, what, Jerry? He says, well, I've been experimenting with uh, X-ray television. And you know these walls get in the way. I said, Jerry? He said, yep, in color. I said, we're crying out loud, Jerry. I have always heard of Big Brother. But Jerry... uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know that I'd meet him one day. Or he says, oh, no, I'm not big brother. He says, I'm more like a little nephew, actually. I just kind of little nephew. And so everywhere you go, you may be this very moment. You may be this very instant under surveillance. Yes, your life itself may be bucked by somebody who's just a fun-loving person. He's not out for evil. He's not out to get the goods on you. He's just having fun. Have you seen those ads in the back pages of the Times back there in the silly section? Just have fun. Listen in on the conversations of your neighbors with this parabolic microphone. Pick up amazing sounds. Stuff that you never thought was going on in your neighborhood. Yes, it's a wonderful new hobby. (laughs) Eavesdropping. Oh yeah, you can get the Telephone tapping equipment. You can buy yourself rifles now that don't have bullets in them. They have microphones at the end, and they have crosshairs, and they have built-in parabolas, and you can focus for mile, mile. You can even buy yourself infrared equipment so that you can do it in total darkness. It's a fascinating new hobby. How much time do we have? There we go. All right, gang gonna be all right. (laughs) Happy Friday, gang. And if you want to come and watch me, I mean, if you you prefer to be, uh, you know, big brother yourself, you want to come and watch me make a fool of myself. Uh, Oh, it's just fantastic. I'm going to play Adam. I'm going to play Abel. I'm going to play Cain. I'm going to play the Thunder God. I'm going to play the Earth, Mother Earth. I'm going to play the firmament. Uh, Oh, I may even go so far as to play the universe. So uh, come on down to the limelight tomorrow night. We'll be there from 10.30 until midnight. If you can't make it, we will broadcast this magnificent effort of the theatrical arts. Tomorrow night, beginning at 10.30 on this, your fantastic station. By the way, we have techniques now to listen through your radio set to what's going on in your house. Oh, Oh, wow. Come on, go, gang. We're listening. Go ahead.